It's hard as hell to make it to the NFL, but guess what? It's harder to stay. There was really a mental battle that I fought that year because I was like, dang, I finally made the team. And then I only ended up playing in like four or five games before they cut me again and put me back on a practice squad. A champion's mindset to me doesn't necessarily mean championship trophy, um, doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with sports. To me, a champion is a successful person. If you don't have that self-confidence, you don't think you can do it, just tell yourself you can do it. Like, a lot of it starts there. Fake it till you make it is just not some silly quote. Like, it, it, it works. Welcome to the show, Lance. How are you, man? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, I'm kind of blown away by uh, how awesome this studio <laughs> is. And I, mean, I really like, I work in media a little bit myself, and, and I feel like I have a pretty good setup at home. Um, in my office, and then I come in here, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not doing it right. So, um, well, to, to to quote your your former teammate, how how you do anything is how you do everything. <laughs> so right. we had to apply that logic here for sure. But uh, for everyone, you know, Lance has uh, been a friend for about five years now, six years, six years now. Yeah, um, investor in Everbowl. I used to kick his ass on a basketball court. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but no, we met actually playing basketball and we're uh, the same age. And what I like about what I loved about you from the get go is the fact that you have that small, small dog syndrome like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been a, it's been an enjoyment to get to know you over the last six years. And I'll have you here in studio as a guest on the Jeff Fenster show and getting to reverse engineer what makes Lance more successful at all the different things that he's done. And what's really in a weird way, though, you're also kind of like. Um, my pet peeve for me because the excuses that I used to tell myself why I didn't play in the NFL, you <laughs> solved because we're the same size-ish. Um, so congratulations. I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, look, it's it's uh, awesome to be here and, and to spend some time and, and you know, talk about things that we've done and things that we've got going on. And um, I, I truly feel like we, we share a similar mindset um, you know, something that I've kind of talked about with other businesses before and something that I've kind of been developing, which hopefully at some point will be a book, um, I like to call The Champion's Mindset. Um, and I think that's, we'll get into it, I'm sure, mm-hmm. as we go, but there's a lot of it has to do with mentality and, and you know, not ever allowing somebody or someone to tell you you can or cannot do something and having self-confidence and having a a tireless work ethic. Um, And I think you embody all of those things. Obviously, you wouldn't be here today if you didn't. And, you know, we can talk about, you know, how that relates to being a smaller person Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, how that kind of helped propel me into the professional football ranks. But um, it, it, it is something that some people, um, develop over time. It's something that people are born with. Um, but, but I do think it's a, it's a, an integral part of success, um, being able to have a strong mind, um, to be able to, you know, cause you're going to face challenges in everything that you do in life. And, and, um, you know, you and, and I, I guess are, are great examples of that. Were you, uh, t- take me back to high school because when you were in high school, you weren't highly recruited, No, but you were recruited. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was, I was, uh, you know, five, nine hundred and fifty pounds or so. 
um, as a senior, but I was first team all state in Ohio. And, you know, those who don't know how high school football is like one of the best in the country. Um, and it wasn't like I was playing like a lower division. I was playing division one. So I was playing in the biggest division and I broke a bunch of state records and like, I was, I was really, really good. Um, but for whatever reason, and you know, I just was not getting the scholarship offers that I thought that I deserved. I was getting recruited by a ton of schools. I mean, I've had letters, multiple letters coming to the house every single day, but at the end of the day, there was no offers. And I went through almost my entire senior year with zero scholarship offers. So not even partial, none, zero, no scholarships at all. Partial full, like it didn't matter. Like I, I was like, dang, I'm going to have to end up being a walk on because I'm a smaller guy, because I'm not a four, three fast guy. Um, that's going to have to be my route. Now growing up in Columbus, Ohio, being an Ohio state fan, Ohio state was like, yeah, sure, sure. Come, mm-hmm. come be a preferred walk on here. Like, yeah, they would love to have a guy that's scholarship quality player, sure, but maybe not getting the attention, you know, to come in basically for free on them because they wouldn't have had to pay. So that was kind of like the idea. Um, and then two weeks before I graduated, I got a call from Akron on a Tuesday, um, Eastern Michigan on a Wednesday, Kent State on, a, or excuse me, Toledo on a Thursday, Toledo, the school I ended up going to, I yep. forget about them. Um, <laughs> so in, in three days I had <clears throat> three scholarship offers and, you know, as, and this as, is like June. This is this is late May. Late yep. May. This is late May. So I uh, my mom was like, okay, we need to like we need to go visit these schools now because we kind of have to figure out where you're gonna go. And I was like, Yeah, because we're not paying to go to school. You know, I didn't grow up with money. And and at that point it was like, okay, like I'm gonna have to work. My mom's gonna probably have to take another job for us to be able to pay for a school. So once our offers came in, it was like Nah, like that's that that dream has kind of gone by the wayside. Like we're going to go and get this free education and visited um, Akron and Toledo and and was like, ah, I don't really want to go to Eastern Michigan. So um, chose Toledo and. and what, what made you choose Toledo? Um, I like that they had a new coach um, and a new offensive coordinator. Um, they were planning to throw the ball a lot. Um, cause, uh, Rob Spence was, was my coach and, and he came from Louisiana tech before that. And they threw the ball like 50 times a game at Louisiana tech. And I'm like, I mean, I'm a receiver. I want to go catch balls. Like this is the perfect place. And there wasn't back then. I mean, we're talking 2001. There wasn't a lot of schools that were throwing the ball like that back then. Now there was, you know, there was a few, but not, not a ton of them. Well, that was the so, 2001. I mean, that was Kurt Warner was just. I mean, that was the greatest show on turf yes. beginning of yes. air it out football. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and in college, it just, there wasn't a lot of it. I mean, most colleges were running pro style offenses back then. There yep. wasn't the, the air raid wasn't a thing back then, mm-hmm. you know? So, so these kind of West coast spread out, you know, three and four wide receivers, they're throwing the football. That wasn't really big in college football. So to see it somewhere that had offered me, I was like, yeah, this is, I was just instantly drawn to that. Um, and then, you know, I'm an Ohio kid, so it, it's a two hour trip from Columbus to Toledo. And, um, you know, that was, that was big for me. And so that, that it made sense and it felt right when I went on my visit. Um, you know, I had a good visit and I, the receiver coach was awesome and it just felt right. You know, like, I feel like a lot of those types of decisions back then, now it's a little different now. There's a lot more, <laughs> there's a lot more going on in the recruiting process. And then that, you know, trying to get kids to commit places like with the NIL and everything like that. But um, it just, it just felt, it felt like home and, and it really, 
it worked out in the way that it should have, I think. Yep. Yep. So you go when you're at Toledo, did you have to fight for that spot as a freshman? Yeah. I mean, I, I got there um for training camp and back then used to have freshman camp. And so obviously it's only freshmen, but you had uh junior college transfers and non-starting quarterbacks. So we had enough guys to practice. I mean, there was probably 40 or so guys that were there, maybe even more, maybe 45 or 50 guys. But um, you know, we were having two days just just with the freshmen. And, and at that point, it was like, OK, this is this is like the calm before the storm. But I've got to show that, like, you know, I'm, I'm capable of, of playing. So, um, you know, made plays. And after the f- very first practice, um, my high school quarterback was actually there. He came in as a walk on. Um, and we were rooming together in the dorm and, and he comes in and he's like, I'm leaving. I'm like, what? First day, first day of practice. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, he's, I just, I didn't get any reps. Like, there's no way I'm going to get reps when the, like the, the varsity guys come, you know? And I'm like, don't worry about that. Like, just, just stay here, you know, like stay the course. And at, at some point they're going to put you in and they're going to watch you throw and they're going to be like, wow. Yep. And he just said, nope, I got to go. And so at that point in my mind, it was like, I could take it one of two ways. I could say, dang, my, you know, my buddy, my friend is leaving me. What am I going to do without him? Or it's going to be like, okay, well, he's leaving. I'm going to be here by myself for a while. I'm going to get in the book. And that's what I did. I like, I was in that playbook every single day and night until it was literally time to like, I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. And, and some of my buddies always make fun of me. They're like, you didn't talk to anybody. Like you literally go back to the dorm, you go in your room, you lock the door and you'd study the playbook. And that's what I did. And so I learned the offense by myself. Now, obviously we got, you know, we had meetings and the coaches would coach it up, but I learned every position, the receiver position in that offense within like two or three weeks of camp. I knew it like the back of my hand. And so when the time came, when, the, when the, you know, the, the older guys, the veteran guys came in, um, I was already mentally prepared. I, like I knew what I needed to do was just a matter of, well, when and if I'm going to get that opportunity. So um, they had all the starting positions. Obviously, everybody was back. So they had um, three starting receivers. That All those guys were back. And there was two seniors backing those guys up. So they had their top five locked in. And then you could kind of say like six and seven and eight were kind of locked in as well because those guys were were uh, freshmen the year before. So I was like so far down the depth chart. But every day in camp, I would show up, I would make plays. I would show up, I would make plays. And then eventually during camp, we, you know, like the end of the game or the end of practice breakdowns, like the head coach was like, you know, one day he's just like, this guy showed up, shown up every single day. He's made plays. He's done nothing but work and blah, 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 blah. And I want him to come up and break it down. They're like, and he's like, Lance Moore. And I was kind of like, huh? Like I, <laughs> I was like kind of caught off guard. I was like, what? what is, what? Okay, whatever. So I get up and I break it down. But they, they're always like, you were the only freshman that like got to break the team down. And I didn't think too much of it. I was like, I, I didn't catch any balls in the game. Like, cool. I got to break everybody down. So for me, it was just back to work. Like I've always kind of embodied this don't act like you've made it or even better work like you haven't made it yet. Mm-hmm. Like, so I wasn't satisfied with breaking the team down. It's just like, I, okay, that's cool. But what's next? Like, I'm going to get back in the lab. I'm going to get back in the weight room and, and study these plays again. I'm going to watch the film. And so I was, I had a different level of work ethic, I think, and mentality than 
a lot of guys did then. What what gave you that? Was that your parents? Is that something you always I th- had? I think I think my I, I grew up in in the dojo. Um, my dad uh, still has a dojo today. It's ah, shoot, man, he's had a dojo in Columbus for over forty years now. Straight um, karate, karate. Yep, Shonru karate. Um, you black belt? I'm a black belt. Yeah, I got my. Black, I started that. karate when I was three years old, and um, I I got my black belt when I was ten. Um, you know, state champion, fought in, in national tournaments. I mean, like I I was doing karate every weekend from the time I was three until probably eleven, like karate tournaments. And by the time I was thirteen, I was just so over. I was like, I, I gotta do, I, I, I like I can't do karate anymore. I just was burnt out. Um, but was are tournaments like the Karate Kid movie? Similar, Similar? not not quite as dramatic okay. as that. Uh, but there, but I mean, every now and again, there's a dramatic fight or something for a championship but um <laughs> it's so for dramatized for tv yeah, or sure. for, for film um great movie though but it's i think that work ethic and and the the discipline and the kind of workers mentality um nobody can beat me type of thing um came from him um and my mom as well like just super hard working people um, and yeah, I mean, I had to, I, I didn't play in the first game my freshman year. I went to the coach's office. I said, Hey, I would love to red shirt. Like, this would be awesome. Like to learn from these guys to physically, to be, be able to develop and, and learn the offense even better and have four years after this year. And the head coach was like, yeah, I think that's a good plan. Fast forward to week two, we had two receivers go down and I'm in the game. And back then it was like, you, you get in the game, your red shirt's gone. Like, now you can play four games or something like that, and your stats count, and like you you still are able to redshirt. But from there, it was um, I had six catches that year, the entire year, and coming from high school where I was breaking state records, I caught 103 balls the year before. Sure. So to go from that to to six was very very like trying. It was frustrating. I was like ready to leave the school, um, and my mom was kind of like. You know, whatever you want to do, like, I got your back. Like, I, you know, if you want to leave here, we can go somewhere else, you know. And I just, for whatever reason, I, I just was like, I'll stick with it, you know. And, I mean, I'm assuming and, the coaches were in your ear saying, wait your wait your turn. No, not really. Nothing. No, no, because it's, I, I feel like even, I guess it's, it could be different back then, but I don't feel like it's the coach's job to pacify everybody. It's not, it's, I don't think they are required to tell you it's going to be okay. Right. No, like but when they you're, want you're you, a grown, to... you're a grown man, and you've got to. It, it's it's not all going to be given to you when you think it's your time. And I I was guilty of like letting my emotions and that in those moments kind of get the best of me. Where I was like, you know, forget this place. Like, you know, they don't want to throw me the ball, and you know, I told them I wanted to, and I, there was like resentment that was built up. But at the end of the day, I was the next best guy, and they put me in. And it, and it just so happened that I didn't get the ball in those games, yep. but I was playing. You know, it, it might not have been what I wanted, but, um, I mean, even the next year, like I was a backup again because all those guys, the starters, not the, not the other two seniors, but the starters, those guys were all back. So I was backing all those guys up again. So it didn't quite go the way that I would hoped it would go, but I played more. 
I got more balls. I scored a couple touchdowns. So it was like there's there's some progression going on. But at the same time, I was smart enough and had enough wherewithal to realize there's guys behind me now that want to play too. And so I'm going to make sure that I'm putting in the work. And um, I don't know if Drew said it when you talk to him, but it's uh, old Sean Payton, even Bill Parcells quote, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And I truly believe that. And people say, well, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Like, okay, you're either working to get better and improve or you're getting worse. And you're not actually physically getting worse. But guess what? Everybody else is working. So where you fall on that spectrum is going to be lower than it was when you decided you weren't going to work anymore. Well, average moves. 100%. Average moves up. And you stay the same. So by default, you're you're worse. Yeah, you're average. You're worse. And so I I have always been like, okay, I got to I got to keep working. Got to keep working. Got to keep working and that was what I did. And my junior year I led the country in catches. And my senior year, I was one of the top guys in the, in the country. I was a, a academic all-American first team and I was an honorable mention all-American on the field. And it's now obviously a lot of things have to go right. You got to be healthy, you got to uh, you know, you have to stand good graces with the coaches and the team. Um but you you can't give yourself the opportunity to do that if you don't put the work in. And that was something that I always did in in school. Um, and, and just because I was like, I, I got to I want to be great. And the only way that I'm going to be great is to continue to work. What did you major in? Uh, so I went to school undecided because I really didn't know. You know, I was like, oh, maybe business. But I, so I ended up majoring in business management um, with a minor in marketing. So. Um, just and and you were an academic all American. I was a first team academic all American. I was a, I was all MAC, so the all conference academics first team a couple of times, um, as well as first team all MAC a couple of times. But yeah, I was first team all academic all American my senior year, which to me is like that is just as cool as being an all American on the field. I think it's um, almost cooler because it well because I I've always been. The academic side for me, I'm not going to say it always came easy, but a little bit. Um, but I've always been like thirsty to learn. Mm-hmm. And I've taken my studies very, very seriously. Um, and people are always like, yeah, your dad would probably karate chop you if you got a B. And I'm <laughs> like, no, nah, it wasn't that It wasn't that extreme. Um, but I feel like my mom was, was always a great student when she was younger. And I think that's just something that kind of <laughs> she gave mm-hmm. to me. Um and it it was always important to me. Um, and and you know what I I treated as I got a little older, middle school, high school, college. I treated my academics like competition. And so I was like, I'm I'm gonna get the best grade in this class. And so I would do everything I could to try to get the best grade in the class. And you know it it didn't always work out that way, but it it held me to a high standard personally without there having to be this pull from home or or threats of you know taking things away if you aren't getting a 3.0 I, like to me it was like it was important enough that I and I had the ability as well I mean you got you it can be important to you and you just aren't that smart sure I mean we're all different um intelligence wise but it 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 was important to me to get good grades and and that was I feel like it's as a dad now I feel like I've kind of pulled back a little bit on that because um, I don't want to put pressure on my kids. I'll talk about 
how important it is to work hard and to study. But I don't think I'll ever because my parents never did it to me. I just it just naturally I was I wanted to get good grades and it was important to me. Um, I don't I don't want to push it on them to give them any unnecessary pressure. Um, and you know, my kids are almost eight, six, and almost almost six and almost four. So they're young enough now that we we can kind of like still kind of mold them the way that we think we should, but. I don't want to I don't want to be the dad that's doing too much. As an entrepreneur, I know how meaningful it is to invest in the people and causes that are close to me. And on GoFundMe, it's easy, safe, and powerful to do just that. Whether you're supporting a family member, friend, local business, or charity. And whenever you make a donation, you're protected by the GoFundMe giving guarantee. Visit gofundme.com today to help make a positive difference in your community. Hey, fitness fans, ready to crush your fitness goals? Make your move to EOS Fitness, where becoming a member starts at just $9.99 a month. Gyms are open 24-7 and packed with the latest gym equipment to keep your workouts fresh. What are you waiting for? Give them a call, drop by, or hit up jefffenster.com forward slash EOS to join. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. Now, let's get after those goals. What are you going to do, or what would you do if one of your kids just doesn't care about school, doesn't care about good grades, doesn't have that thirst for that's, knowledge. That's a great question. Uh, I, I think um, I think there would have to be, you know, certain conversations about the necessity of education, um, but m- maybe not the necessity of, of, of all A's. I think it's a different conversation that you sure. have with, with a child that may be gifted um, because the reality is, if you've got three kids, there's probably going to be one of them that don't care. Yep. And um, this could very well be a conversation that we have. Um, but but I, I again, I, it's not to me. It's not as important the grade point average or the getting the A's on the test as it is learning and then improvement. And I'm going to do everything I can to help if one of my kids is a little bit slower in the learning spot or, or having trouble taking tests. Like I'm, I'm going to give them every opportunity to improve if I can, whether it's getting a tutor or spending some extra time or tutoring myself. Like I'll do whatever I can to try to help. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's no way around it. Like kids have to go to school. So you might as well maximize what you can out of it. And if, and if you, don't care for school. That's okay because there's there's been plenty of successful people who either a didn't go to college or b didn't care for school ever and and have still found a way to be successful. I I, I think that you know instilling a work ethic and and you know it, as well as them being kind and, and a caring person and you know having goals. I think that to me is more important than saying hey I graduated cum laude like mm-hmm. that. You know so. Um, I did graduate cum laude, by the way. <laughs> well, you know, just want to make it sure everyone knew that. No big deal. Well, that's why I was just, I was just thinking about it. I was like, yeah, I did. Um, but, but I think that what's interesting about your story is because you do have – you have a formula that has allowed you to be successful. It's mm-hmm. clear as day listening to you. And you've had the examples where it's been tested because you led the nation in, in catches your junior year. Yep. You were – uh, All-American nominee 
your senior year. Yep. But you don't get drafted to the NFL. Right. And I'm assuming your senior year, you thought you were getting drafted to the NFL. For sure. You said, there's no way I'm not getting drafted. I almost left early. I almost left after my junior year. I led the country. I was like, yeah, this, I should test my dra- draft status and see you know, where I would fall. And you know, if there's an opportunity to go to the NFL now, why would I not take it? Sure. And for whatever reason, I I just decided, I was like, I want to come back. I want to have another year with my guys. Like, we had unfinished business. We wanted to win the conference championship. And and I, I um, unfortunately, I got hurt in the bowl game, um, which is obviously the last game my senior year. Um, dislocated shoulder, ended up having to have labrum surgery. And now while I had the success on the field, I also got combine invite, two all-star game invites, and all that stuff went away. Not went away, but I just – I could not compete because I had to have shoulder surgery. Um, And so I still figured I would get drafted. Um, You know, I I just – I believe – The late-round flyer. I believe that the tape doesn't lie. Turn on the tape. That's the player I am. Don't Mm -hmm. don't look at me now with my my sling on and think like, oh, this guy is – you know, he's he's crippled. He can't play. Like, just turn on the tape. That's the same player. Um, small stature, small school. I mean, all those things kind of work against you. Then I was injured. So my agent and I had conversations about, Hey, the reality is you, you should probably get drafted, but you might not, we we might have to go the undrafted free agent route. And, and, you know, while the dream has always been, I want to hear my name called realizing that there could be a different opportunity. while I didn't want that. Yeah. was okay. And, um, you know, during the draft, you know, it's, it's like, it's long and, and you're, you're, you're kind of like on the edge of your seat. Like, when is it going to happen? And I have coaches calling me, Hey, we're going to, we're thinking about picking you or, Hey, are you, where are you right now? We've got mini camp this weekend. We going to get you here. And this is happening fourth, fifth, sixth round. So I'm thinking I'm going to get drafted by somebody. And when it doesn't happen, there's this kind of like, oh, man, I didn't get drafted. But then my phone's ringing. My agent's like, hey, I'm on the horn with Cleveland. I'm on the I'm on the phone with Cincinnati and Buffalo and Kansas City. And I'm kind of like, okay, like snap out of it. Yep. You know, it didn't happen. Nothing I can do to change it. What now? So you didn't have very much time to – There's not There's not any time. As soon as the draft is over, like there's the phone – I'm sure my agent was calling teams sixth, seventh round. And like so he already knew because literally the last pick came and my phone was ringing. And he's like – these are the teams I'm talking to. I'll get back to you in a minute. And so it, it like, there's not a lot of time to sulk. It's like, and then once we figured out, hey, Cleveland is probably the right team or the right place for me, it be, it becomes more of like a celebration again. Like, mm-hmm. okay, yes, I'm signing with the Browns. Like, this is awesome. Like, my dream of being an NFL player is on its way to coming true. And so um, I chose Cleveland because I, you know, we looked at the roster and their depth chart and I was like, hey, there's there could potentially be an opportunity there, even though they drafted Braylon Edwards like third overall that year. Um, hey, there could be an opportunity here. And it's in Ohio again, you know, easy for me, easy for my family to be able to drive to games. And yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, uh, one of those moments that I honestly I like I don't really reflect on that moment as much. Maybe as I should. Um, it's more about like kind of the journey that I think about, and not so much like making it there. Sure. Because, like I said, like I always worked like I hadn't made it. So, in in my mind, that moment wasn't necessarily a make it moment. It's just like okay, this is 
Well, and the mountain is, is high for an undrafted free, oh, for sure. free agent. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the odds are stacked against you. Sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's... it's. Um, you probably had a moment to understand the, what you had in front of you. I didn't. Not going to Cleveland, I didn't. No. Mm-mm. No, I had no idea. I figured undrafted guy, I'll go in minimally. I could be on the practice squad and, you know, see what happens from there. Like, I did, honestly, I didn't. Going to Cleveland, I had no idea. It's just, in my mind, work, make plays in practice, and see what happens. And... Um, you know, I played 11 plays, I think, in three games in the preseason that year. And I was thinking, yeah, they're, they're trying to hide me. They want to hide me. They want to put me on the practice squad. They're not going to show much. And after that third preseason game, you know, we're walking to the facility and you see the Turk. He comes out because that was back then. That was like the big cut. Like, ever, you know, you go from however many guys it was, 80 guys or 82 guys down to – 65, I think it was, or something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was a pretty significant 20 guys or something. And I'm like, he's looking at me, and I'm trying not to make eye contact with him. And sure enough, he's like, Lance, uh, Coach Cornell needs to see you upstairs. And I'm like, all right. So I go upstairs, and he's like, love what you've done. Um, You know, obviously, we've got some older guys in the room, blah, 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 blah. We'd love to have you on the practice squad. We've got another week of camp. And, and one more preseason game, if you can stick around Cleveland, you know, that'd be great because we can call you after this week. And I'm like, I'm from two hours down the road. Like, yeah, okay. Like, I'll, I'll be close enough, yeah. you know. And and they play that last preseason game. And, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like, they're bringing me back. Like, there's you – know, he told me – he told me. This is my first experience of Coach, like, telling you something sure. that maybe he meant, but then it not really working out. You know, he might have meant it in that moment. But as I've kind of – went along in the league, they, they they say a lot of stuff now. And it's not always truthful. And maybe it's to protect your heart a little bit. And maybe it's to protect themselves a little bit because they don't want guys going crazy on them for whatever reason. Um, but so that and that week went on, and sure enough, I never got a call. And and I'm like, dang, like he told me he was going to bring me back. But he didn't. Um, and this, at the same time, I'm getting calls from – the Toronto Argonauts of the CFL. Hey, Lance, we've got your rights. We'd love for you to come play for the Argonauts. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm <laughs> Canada's never really even been on my radar. But if something doesn't happen for me, I'd be open to it, you know, kind of thing. I, I will I will reach out to you if I need you type of thing. Um, and, you know, nothing materialized for a couple of weeks. I went and had a workout with the Texans, thought I did well. They didn't sign me. Um, so then I was kind of at a point where I was like, what am I like, what am I going to do? So I hadn't graduated. So I called Toledo. Some of the coaches say, hey, I would love to come back and, you know, kind of be a semi GA, you know, because I didn't have any money. So I needed to have money to be able to live and pay rent and buy food. <laughs> so um, they put me on scholarship and I was back in school and just working out. I was I was coaching. Um, you know, obviously during practices and stuff like that and doing certain things around the office where they needed it. Um, but when I wasn't, I was training, I was working out, I was running routes. I was, you know, trying to get my meals in to make sure that I could maintain and, um, just to be ready for the call. Um, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready type of thing. Yep. Uh, Lonnie Walker, uh, it's, it's, it's real. I mean, it's like you, you, some guys are, I'm going to do this last minute. I'm not a last minute type of guy. I'm going to do this now, and I'm going to continue to do it, and I'm going to do more because I, I want to be able to be prepared if and when that opportunity comes. Well, I mean, um, that's the definition of luck, right? 
It's being prepared when the opportunity comes. That's luck. That's how lucky guys get lucky. Yeah, which to me is not even really that lucky. It's like you're ready. Yeah, well, of course. But that's the definition. Yeah. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. For sure. And the luck part is you have to wait for that opportunity. Yeah. But well, yeah, because you, you can't give the opportunity to yourself a lot of correct. times. Correct. Um, and so I— But you can uh, be prepared. 100%. And that was like— you know, control what you can control. I can't control whether the Browns are going to call me back. I can't control whether my childhood favorite team, the 49ers, believe it or not, is going to give me an opportunity. Or if anybody from the 49ers was at the Browns scrimmage when I had three, you know, like you can't control any of that. But I could always control my effort. I could always control, um, you know, my, my energy, what am I putting my energy to? Um, I can control how prepared I am. Um, your attitude, I can control my attitude for sure. I could be bitter. I could be angry. I could be, I can go in the tank because things aren't going the way that I think that they should be going. Um, or I can get back to work and I can try to do all the things that I can to make sure that I'm ready. Oh, and by the way, I can go to class and I can I can buy groceries for the house. Like there, there's just like not limiting myself to just that football thing. I I think was helpful for me, um, in kind of getting over getting cut. Yep. You know, um, one of five times in my career that I was cut. But uh, it it uh, being back in school kind of I, th- I think it kind of reinvigorated me. Like it got me excited about football again. Cause I was, I was away for a couple of weeks and I was in the dumps and I was like, well, you know, what's going to happen now? This is what I thought I was going to do. And now I'm, this is not what I'm doing. Um, and we were, we were uh, playing, flying out to Fresno actually to play Fresno state on a Tuesday night. And uh, the plane landed and one of the coaches came up to me and said, Hey, you talk to your agent. I said, huh? <laughs> I said, no, I, I was on the same flight that you were, you know, he's like, Oh, you talked to your mom. I said, no, I, I haven't even turned my phone on yet. You know, he's like, call your mom. So I call my mom and she's like, call your agent. So I call my agent. He's like, Hey, the saints want to bring you in on the practice squad. And I'm like, practice squad. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, is it a workout? And they're going to sign me. He said, no, they want to sign you to the practice squad. I was like, all right, great. So when do I leave? He's like tomorrow at 5. AM. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. So this was hurricane Katrina year. So the Saints were in San Antonio. So I had to fly from Fresno to San Antonio at 5 a.m. the next morning with nothing but a backpack. Like there, there was I, di- I didn't have a suitcase. I didn't know this was happening. I didn't pack my bags per se for to to go move somewhere. Um, so I had like one change of clothes and my toiletry bag and my Toledo playbook, and that was literally all that I had when I flew to San Antonio. Luckily, my you know my guys um, packed my stuff up for me and shipped it to me in San Antonio, um, but. I knew at that time better about how the NFL worked than when I went into the NFL, which not that much time had passed. But I understood now, don't ever get comfortable and don't take this opportunity for granted. So Jim Hazlitt was a head coach. He came up to me. um, You know, I'm touring the facility, the facility. We were in the Alamo Dome, which was crazy. Um, And he's like, hey, you know, nice to meet you. Hope you're ready to play DB. I was like, I was like, huh? And he said, oh yeah. He said, practice squad, you're gonna play DB, you're gonna play receiver, you're gonna play special teams. You like, you got to do it all. And I said, yes, sir. I got you. Like whatever you need. 
And so that really kind of like, cause I'm, I was thinking like, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to like, I'm going to do everything that I need to do, but I'd never even thought like, Hey, they might put you at DB and because there's, there's just not enough guys. You know, the, the roster is 53 guys. And then back then you could only have eight guys on a practice squad. So you've got 61 guys to get through a practice with. And it's just, there's just not enough offense, defense, special teamers. Like you got to be able to do everything. And I did. And I, 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 for whatever reason, one day, it might even be my first day. I was just like, this is my game day now. Like, I'm a practice player. So I'm going to show up every day as if I'm playing on Monday night football and I'm going to kill mm-hmm. whoever that guy is across from me. And and that's what I did. And, like, I really, I really opened up eyes and the oohs and ahs and practice. And even, like, the veteran guys would come up to me and be like, man, like, you can ball. Like, you can really play. Like, I don't know how you're here, but, like, you're going to be all right. And so that helped me to, like, just keep doing what I'm doing. Keep doing what I'm doing. Oh, uh, do a little bit more because now they've seen it. Now they need to see more. Um, and I, I practiced well enough that I ended up getting activated late in the season. Hey, we're going to sign you to the active roster. I was like, oh, man, this is great. Like, I'm going to play. And sure enough, that first practice that week, I pulled my hamstring. <laughs> I was like, oh man, this is this is horrible. And but being recognized in that way really told me, okay, I'm not just like some practice squad guy. Like I can play. You know, it's just it's just a matter of getting that opportunity. And I, you know, I said like, you know, once I get back healthy, I'm gonna get back to what I was doing and hopefully they'll let me play. And I and I didn't end up playing any games that year. Um but but my mentality was improved in that eh, – I wouldn't even say my mentality. My confidence was improved. Not that I lacked confidence, but I really didn't know if, there, if anybody was ever going to take me seriously and or give me an opportunity to really show it. Um, and so <laughs> we were 3-13 and 13 that year. We were like the bad news bears of the NFL. And like it just it, – it, it was a tough year. To be a rookie, I would say. Not that it was tough on me. I wasn't playing, you know, but but just kind of that being my first experience. And, I mean, we were kicked out of the Alamo Dome because of the women's NCAA volleyball tournament. And they moved our, like, offices. So, like, our meeting rooms and everything just to a random building in San Anto- downtown San Antonio. And then our practice field was you know, seven miles away at some high school. Oh, and by the way, our locker room now is in in the underground softball dugout. This is an NFL team now. In an underground softball dugout that's not nicer than this. Like, this is like, I would love to have something this <laughs> nice and fancy. Like, it was like, I was like, this is the NFL. Like, no no sauna or steam room or hot tubs or cold. Pl- like, it was like they would pull it up, pull out the giant industrial size uh, garbage cans. They'd fill them with ice and water. And that was like our ice tubs. And I was, I, no, I came from Toledo. So it's not like we had the best of the best, but we had a lot better than what we had <laughs> when I got, when I got to the NFL. So it was like, dang, this is kind of, this is different. You were the Indians from Major League One. Dude, we were like, it, it, I mean, it, when we thought that we could do something great, you know, win a game, it was just like everything was pulling against us. Um, and... I don't know. I mean, it just it was a it was a it was a strange year, but but one that that helped me in my development as a player and um, 
you know, the, that coaching staff obviously got fired. They brought Sean Payton in. Sean Payton immediately was starting a clean shop, bringing his own guys. I wasn't one of his guys, so clearly I'm a little bit nervous. Am I going to be able to stick around? And the first thing that I hear from my agent was, yeah, they want you to go to NFL Europe. And I'm like, no, like <laughs> I don't want to. I want to go to NFL Europe. I want to be here. I want to, you know, learn the playbook. I want to meet the coaches and, and you know, develop a relationship with them. And, oh, we just signed Drew Brees. Like, I got to get on the same page with Drew Brees. And my agent's like, do you want to play for the Saints? I said, yes. He said, you should probably do what they tell you. I said, you're right. <laughs> you're right. And so end up going to um, Berlin, um, played for the Berlin Thunder that season, got hurt there, um, got sent back to the States. And back then they would they would send you to Birmingham which was basically like, you know, the, the hurt man's camp, basically. They put you in a hotel, and then you go to treatment a couple times a day, and you could not leave until you got cleared. Well, I had a dislocated thumb and a cast on. And so I would go to treatment, and I would do, like, shoulder rehab. I'd run on the treadmill, and then he'd put – literally, he put ice on top of my cast. <laughs> and so I called our trainer. I said, Scotty, they're putting ice on my cast, man. He's like, what? I said, they're putting ice on my cast. Like, it's really pointless for me to be here because I'm not doing anything for my thumb. Like, there's, and so he's like, all right, you know, give me a couple of days. And sure enough, a couple of days later, he's like, you got a, you got a flight this time, this day. It will bring you back to New Orleans. We'll start your rehab, like real rehab on your thumb, um, and we'll get you going. And and I went back, and I feel like that was like that really, really helped me to be able to finish the off season you know, with the team and do the OTAs and they built a custom splint for me so I could practice. Like, so now I'm, I'm showing them, you know, the player that I am, not just the guy that they heard about from the practice squad last year. Who played in um, Germany. Who played, yeah, who was, who was playing, but I was balling in Germany. I was leading the league in catches when I got hurt. So it, you know, it, um, I, I, I wanted to, I just wanted the opportunity. However it was going to come, I guess really wasn't as important as like hopefully getting that opportunity. Um, and then in that 2006 preseason, I was balling. Like I was, I was making plays every game and um, you know, long punt returns. And like um, one of the preseason games, I caught the the uh, game winning touchdown. Like, so it was like now the work is starting to bear a little bit of fruit. Now, while it making the team, which I did that year, wasn't the ultimate goal. It was one of them. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely on the list. Um, and and there was really a mental battle that I fought that year because I was like, dang, I finally made the team. And then I only ended up playing in like four or five games before they cut me again and put me back on the practice squad. Um, and I, was, I would say that, that that time, while I was still there, while I was still getting paid, um, and, I, and the, the – potential for there to be another opportunity was there. It just kind of drove me nuts. The fact that I was like on the team and then I wasn't anymore. Um, and while, while I was playing and then I wasn't anymore while I knew and I've proven and I've shown that I can play, I'm not. Or while there's guys who are playing in front of me who I think I'm better than, or who I've proven that I better, that I'm better than, and they're still playing and I'm not, it really, it it got to me like a lot like in it and it I I I kind of really didn't know how to deal with that type of emotion. So what'd you do? <clears throat> um, I mean, kind of what I always do did back then. Kind of internalized everything, um, and and kind of used that as fuel to keep working. 
really. I mean, I didn't know how to get that emotion out. I wasn't. Um, Did you ever think of quitting? No. Never entered your mind. No. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, not 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 during that time. Um, there were times later in my career where I was like, "Yeah, I don't know if I want to do this anymore." Um, but in that moment, no, I, I I wasn't thinking about quitting. I was more frustrated with how I, you know, put myself first, how I thought that I was being treated. Um, but having hindsight now. I uh, realized that there's a whole lot going on um, in that world and the coaches have to make the decisions that they feel like are the best for everybody. Um, And it's not all about me. In my world it is, but I'm not the only one in that NFL world or in that New Orleans Saints world. Um, So it was hard to kind of take, to not take it personal. Um, luckily, I was able to use it to kind of like propel my work, and and you know, as opposed to going the, going into the tank, um, or turned it into fuel. I did, I did, I, I did, and I and I feel like that was um, that was necessary. I mean, just it it, it kind of goes with, along with how I how I've always been. You know, put okay, I mean, put, the, you, put the, your hard hat back on. The theme has been work your ass off. Yeah. don't get recruited. Go to college, work your ass off, get results, don't get drafted. Yep. Make a team, practice squad, work your ass off, get cut. Yep. Go to Europe, work your ass off, get hurt, get cut. I yeah. mean, there's a theme here, yeah. but you've had the tenacity and the perseverance to not I hadn't derail made you. Yet. I hadn't made it. But that's mental fortitude. 100%. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Looking for great insights? Entrepreneur.com's podcast network is the place for you. Check out podcasts like Problem Solvers and Smart Passive Income for smart advice. Hear true stories on how success happens, financial updates on dirty money, deep dives with Behind the Review, and food trends on restaurant influencers. And don't miss my new show. It's all at entrepreneur.com forward slash listen. Let's start our success journey today. Hey there, it's your host, Jeff Fenster, and I have something very exciting to share with you today. You know, here on the Jeff Fenster Show, we're all about growth, both personally and professionally. Speaking of growth, have you ever heard of Everbull? As the proud founder of Everbull, I can tell you firsthand that we're on a mission to help everyone unevolve, to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. Imagine stepping back into a world where everything you eat is fresh, nourishing, and packed with nutrients. At Everbull, we've got you covered with our wide range of superfood bowls. But it's not just about the food. It's about a community of like-minded individuals who are determined to embrace a vibrant, fulfilling lifestyle. Join us on this journey as we redefine what it means to be healthy and active. So if you're ready to unevolve and be the best version of yourself, head over to everbowl.com and check out our menu. I'm, I've, I've, I've always been mentally strong, and I do have to credit a lot of that to my dad in martial arts. Um, you know, I've, I've always been smaller. Like it's not like I got to the NFL and all of a sudden I'm the small guy. Like so, I've always kind of had to overcome what some may think I am or I might be. Um, that's always been something. That's always been a hurdle. Too small, too short, too slow. That's always been a hurdle that I've had to overcome. But I've never used that as an excuse when something didn't work out. Uh, it didn't work out in Cleveland because I just I'm not tall enough. Mm-hmm. That's that's bogus to me. That's that's weak people 
use those types of excuses. I'm not going to say weak people use excuses because we all have an excuse every now and again. But I just feel like that that would have been super weak of me to say like, oh, it, you know, you know, Cleveland didn't like me. They like so and so because he's taller. Like, nah, sure, it didn't work out, and that's okay. You know, it's it's there's not it's not always up to us to to dictate how everything goes in our lives. Um, I feel like it's important to be able to adjust, um, uh, to to be able to learn from. Okay, it didn't work out. What can I do better? What can I do this time that I did not do last time to help me stay? Uh, and I tell guys all the time, like in training, college guys, high school guys, it's hard as hell to make it to the NFL. But guess what? It's harder to stay. What does the NFL stand for? Not for long? Not for long. Yeah. I mean, the average career for an NFL player is less less than three years. You played 10. I played 11. 11? 11 years, nine in New Orleans, one in Pittsburgh, one in Detroit. Yeah. So it's like you, you've had basically five careers. <laughs> yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to get there for sure. So one of my favorite moments of you in the NFL was actually one of your dances. Okay. That, uh, you got a lot of, a lot of pub for back <laughs> in, you know, back then media wasn't like it is today. We didn't have Instagram. Um, that celebration, was that just that that culmination of all those times you fell down the mountain? And, Which one? Are you, well, the main one, the one that you got. Uh, didn't you get an award for it? Uh, your end zone dance, it was like. The Key and Peele? Yeah. Well, I don't think I got an award. I should get an award for that because I was the first one and now everybody does it. Fair. Um, but you know what? That was 10 years ago. That was 2013. Um, and I, I won't say that was like the combination of everything. I will say my first one was 2007, I don't Seattle. Know if I saw that one. 2007, we're playing at Seattle. It's Sunday night football. We're 0 4. And now this is my third year. Um, my first career touchdown, like an end around. And I just kind of like put my arms up. It wasn't a dance. I just kind of put my arms up. Like, like there's like a, so- like, you know, if you don't know any better, you're looking like, oh, he's, Saying he's great, but to me it was kind of like a, like finally, like and it, and it was also kind of a shout out to my grandfather who had just passed like a week before that, and it like it was a very very emotional moment, um, and one that I'll always always remember, and one that will be one of my favorite touchdowns ever, just because of what it signified, and um, but to that twenty thirteen one, that Kim Peel one. By far my favorite. Yeah, mine too. Eh, maybe not by far my favorite. I would say that the first one was my favorite, and this one is like a close second, like one B. But it it uh you know Kim Peel, one of the greatest sketch comedy shows ever, um, and we we were all big fans of the show, and not one time, people don't believe this, but not one time did Kenny Stills and I say, hey, in this game, at this moment, we're gonna do this touchdown dance. Now there was you know we had conversations about man that would be pretty funny to do in a game but that was it like there was no choreography there was no real plan and sure enough I happened to score he happened to be right there and I didn't even see him at first I was gonna do it no matter what I was like I'm gonna do it I'm you know I'm gonna do it and he happened to be there and it like it was like the most perfect for those of you who don't know it's the uh Key and Peele three pumps touchdown celebration um we got penalized yep Unsportsmanlike, 15-yard penalty. And so Coach Payton is 
pissed. Um, and then Tuesday, which is you know two days after the game, we have a nice $7,800 fine letter each in our lockers um, to which you know you could try to appeal. But, I mean, how do you appeal? You, you, you did you something did illegal. Yeah. Um, but to this day, I'm, I, it's, to me, it was worth it because, one, uh, the next day, Jordan Peele posted a T-shirt. He was wearing a black T-shirt, like, you know, kind of like a selfie-style picture with me on his shirt doing a three-pump stance. And from there, one of my best friends, Eric Romer, he's like, hey, man, I've got some contacts at the Kim Peele show. I, I, like, I know one of the producers. Maybe we can get you on an episode. And I was like, man, that would be awesome. Like, I'd, act, I'd be a great actor. <laughs> and um, sure enough, they like, they hey, we're going to get you on a show, you know, this coming off season. And I did um, one sketch and it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my life to be able to be on set with those guys who I believe are comedic geniuses and watch them work. Like it's, it's cool to see some of the best at what they do, do what they do and do it so easily. Yep. I mean, we would, we would like a lot of what we did, we were in um, a, a, a big, like 15 passenger van. And when we, we, we would have a little break, these guys would rehearse other sketches. So like they shoot, they would shoot a whole season in like two to three weeks and they would do like five to seven sketches a day. And so like, here I am like nervous with my cue cards, like trying to remember my little, you know, four or five lines that I had. And these guys off the top of their head are rehearsing seven, eight, nine different sketches like, like this. And they're like, Hey, why don't you try it this way? And, and, you know, say it like this and they would do it. And the whole van would be like ready to just erupt. And then they would start laughing and everybody would start laughing. Like, okay, it's okay to laugh. But like, they were just, it just was, it was so easy to them. And I was like, man, this is like, this is one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Um, and I just, for somebody who is pretty outgoing and can play football in front of millions of people and not blink, the first read that we had on shoot day, I was like, you probably could have checked me into a mental place because <laughs> I was just like so scared, nervous, sweating, and like we're reading our lines. And after my first line, Jordan's a stop. And I'm like, oh, like, what did I do? Like, I, I suck. And he's like, thank God Lance can act. And I was like, oh. I was like, I'm good. Like the nerves just went away and like, I was like, I can just do what I just did and mm-hmm. just do it again. And again, I mean, which you do, you do it all day basically. Um, but that was like that $7,800 that I made, that I gave up was well worth that experience. And you didn't win an award for that dance. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there some best dance? I swear you did. No, I mean, maybe, maybe on like social media or something, but I, I don't, I don't have an award mm. at my house for best touchdown okay. end zone celebration or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a sad guy now. Mm-hmm. I get residual checks to my house, which, you know, sometimes they're, you know, $8 and 13 cents, but hey, you're a professional actor. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you say so, that's, yeah. what's, that's the difference. You said it. True. You're a sad guy now. True. I mean, NFL, NFL retiree. Professional actor. Yeah. You know, man, the list is getting long. Yeah, I don't know about that. But I mean, your post career, you've applied the same mindset, mental fortitude, and approach to everything you do. I mean, I met you obviously playing in pickup basketball. 
which when I play a sport, it's always like, Hey, I'm going to be the hardest worker there. And you always challenge me in that department. So I, For sure. naturally we, we had this mutual respect and why, why do something if you're not going to go hard at it like I, that to me, I just, I don't like that. I don't like that mentality. I, I, it doesn't matter if I'm pulling weeds. I'm gonna be the. I'm trying to be the best at pulling weeds, or cleaning the dishes, or vacuuming the floor, or if it's on the basketball court. Like I'm gonna go hard at everything that I do. That's just how I am, and you know I'm not gonna make excuses. Um, that's that's kind of how I've lived my life, and that's what you know kind of got me to be able to do the things that I've done. So why would I get rid of that? Once I'm done playing football, I, I just, I don't, I, I feel like it's, uh, you know, ingrained in me. It's a part of who I am. And I don't think anything would ever stop that. You know, there's obviously been a little bit of time in between, you know, now and, and when I've stopped playing football. Um, but it's, it's, it's uh, been good to kind of experience the things that I have in scouting um, dabbling in coaching, um, as well as, you know, being in the media now, um, working as an analyst for, um, one of the stations in new Orleans, as well as doing some digital, um, media stuff for another company in new Orleans. I, and I tell my, my wife all, all the time, I don't have a nine to five job, but I work hard at everything Yep. yep. I, because I want to be great at all the things that I do. Um, and well, earlier you'd mentioned champions mind. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, I, I, I think a champion's mindset to me doesn't necessarily mean championship trophy, um, doesn't necessarily have to have anything to do with sports. To me, a champion is a successful person. Um, obviously, I love to play on words with me being a former athlete, um, but we've talked a lot about the mindset um, and – it's it's a workman's mindset, um, the hard hat mindset. It's about developing if you don't have it or having confidence, self-confidence. Um, it's about figuring out why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and there's, you know, a bunch of different things um, that I go into in the program and, um, but I think we've talked about a lot of it. Um, if you don't have that self-confidence, you don't think you can do it, just tell yourself you can do it. Like a lot of it starts there. Um, fake it till you make it is just not some silly quote. Like it 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 works. Um, and sometimes people just need a little help. Um, and I think that being able to share that with people um, is big. And like I said, I'm, I'm trying to like find the time to write a book. Um, like you did, <laughs> just did that, yeah. <laughs> like you did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that go into it, but I, I think it's, it's, it's a mentality. It's the right type of mentality. And I'm not saying that you can't be successful without having all of these things, but I think having some of these things would, will help you to, to potentially be successful in your life and whatever that is. Well, success to me is formulaic, and the definition of that formula for you is clearly demonstrated success because all of the roadblocks and challenges that you encountered that could have been the end of the story, 
Oh uh, yeah, I almost made it to the NFL. I I went this far and I got cut. Or I almost played college football. I went this far, How, but I know, didn't get that. I, I hate those stories. By I the do way. too. <laughs> but those stories are what people struggle with because what right. they don't understand is most humans aren't the six foot five, run four three, going to be a number three overall pick, Braylon Edwards, wide receiver for the Browns. Right. They're not. Right. Yeah. Most of us are somewhere around, I mean, the average height in America is 5'9 for a man. Right. We're both average height. So if you're looking at sport, sports is one example, but you're transferring it beyond the, the playing field. I mean, right. you're now, I mean, where where you are in your story is, I mean, you're about to be a sports agent. Yeah. And go full circle. Yeah. And now hit this from the business side. Yeah. And use that same hard hat approach, that same mindset, that same championship mind to accomplish it. And I am beyond confident that it's not a matter of if, it's when you have a successful sports agency practice. Yep. And I'm sure you have that same mindset as well. 100%. And, that, and it's like I have conversations with my former agent about why. Why are you doing this? Why, why do you want to be an agent? I said, well, there's a number of different reasons. But for me, it's not about, I'm, it's not about collecting a paycheck. While that's important, and I, and I think I will make a lot of money because I'm going to represent a bunch of great players – I want to be able to have an impact that goes beyond the dollars, that goes beyond even the field. I live the life, so I feel like I've got a great wealth of knowledge to be able to give my guys. And it's like every phase that they will go through, I went through. So I'm going to be able to give them a whole different perspective than 90-plus percent of the other agents who never put on a uniform. And that to me is like, that's important. That's a part of what my pitch will be clearly. Um, But that is not going to be it. Like, I I think it's bigger than just getting guys signed and getting guys drafted. Um, I want guys to be able to use me all the time whenever they need me. But I also want to be able to help them maybe not go through some of the things that I went through when I was done. I didn't have a plan because obviously I didn't think I was going to retire when I did. So to be able to put things in place while you're still playing, think about, first of all, think about what you would like to do outside of football. Now, how can we turn that into a career? Or how can we turn that into a way for you to make money while you're playing football? So then when you retire, you've got something going on that allows you to either A, not have to work a job, or B, have something that fuels you. And there's so many different reasons why guys have mental issues when they're done, whether it's lack of a uh, lack of money, they run out of money. Um, they have nothing that they can kind of go to because all they've ever known is football. Um, people aren't really quick to hire guys who haven't graduated, have no job skills and really don't know anything other than coaching, playing, maybe scouting, training, um, so, um, I think it's, it's, uh, the, the play is to be able to obviously represent guys and potentially someday have my own practice or my own agency, um, but as well offer full service. We're offering support for financial services. Um, we're offering support for guys who are done, right? We, we said it less than three years, you know, this guy is going to have a 15 year career, but this guy's going to have a four year career. What, what after that? There's benefits that the NFL, 
um, has for you that a lot of times players either A, don't know about, B, don't think they can qualify, or C, don't ever get to the point where they apply for these things. That money's already there. It's not like these owners are having to come out of pocket extra, you know? So it's like, I'm going to, not only am I going to talk to my guys about it or, or push them to get it, I'm going to help them get it, you know? So there's there's a bunch of different things that I think I'm going to do that are going to help guys. And I mean, I'm obviously passionate about it. Like I lived it and this is a way for me to stay involved in the game, to be able to remain here in beautiful San Diego, um, to, to be able to spend the time with my family that I've loved so much since I retired. And it's kind of funny how it worked out. Like my oldest was a baby in my last season and going into that off season, I was kind of like, I really want to be away from her that much, you know? And that would played a big role in me retiring when I did. Cause I would have been, I was in Atlanta for training camp in 2016. And I was like, man, this is my fourth team in four years you know, my my daughter's getting ready to turn one. Like, is this is this really what we want to do? Is picking up and moving every year? And then I just was like, no. Like, I want I want to be there for my family. I want to spend time. And so this being an agent allows me to stay here, stay present, be involved in everything that they've got going on. Um, you know, I've, obviously there's going to be a little bit of travel involved and associated with you know what I've got to do as as far as the career goes. But um, coaching you know, would not have allowed me to do that. Scouting would not allow me to do that. And um, this will, and and it keeps me involved in the game. I mean, I, I love the game. I owe so much. I'm not sitting here, obviously, with you if, if, if I was not, you know, good at football. So um, to be able to give back to the game and to me, even more importantly, to be able to give back to the, to the guys that are up and coming to me is important. So I have one last question for yeah. you. NIL, good yeah. or bad? Love it. Love it. Now, while I think it's kind of crazy that there's not really many rules, um, I think the players should have been getting paid since the beginning of time. Um, I'm as a fan, I'm not showing up to an Alabama game to watch Coach Saban. I'm just not. Sure, he has a lot to do with the product that is rolled out on a football field, but he's not playing. So I, I felt like the guys that are bringing in the money to be able to pay the coach. And everybody else there, because usually football is funding all of the other athletic programs unless you go to a big basketball school, which I still think football is making more just because of how big football is. Um, I think the kids should have been able to monetize their name. I mean, my, my jersey was being sold in the school store at Toledo the, while I was there. I didn't make a dollar from that. I love seeing you know the fans in the stands wearing number one, but it's like, dang. I'm not getting like people are buying that jersey, yep. you know, and I'm not able to get any of that money. So I I I love the fact that they're able to get paid. I would imagine over you know over time they'll kind of figure out how to more, um, you know, the rules as far as you know what people can and cannot do and and all of that. But I I feel like even beyond that, the school should be paying everybody. Well, in a way, they are. I mean, scholarship is getting paid. Getting free education. I mean, I'm about to pay my daughter's college tuition. Let me tell you, that ain't that ain't free. No, I understand that. But the money that they've got to pay for a scholarship fails in comparison to the money that the football program is bringing Absolutely. in. Absolutely. And that and that to me, especially at a big school, you know, like that that is, you know, um, you know, there's not any other Enterprise. Now I know it's not free enterprise, but I, there's not any other enterprise where you've got somebody who's working for you. 
yep. and not being paid. Fair. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a I feel like it's a very nuanced conversation, and there's not really a lot of good information to go on because there has hasn't been that long. But I do love the fact that that players are able to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. I think yep. that's important. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely revolutionized collegiate sports. It's changed the whole game. I think it's going to bring more athletes back and stay in college longer because they finally can get paid. It's going to strengthen the product over the long run. It's going to allow for guys to mature and girls to mature in inside of college sports before they have to go and make money as a pro. They get to do that now. So I think it's a good thing. I'm excited for them. I'm excited for your journey, man, watching mm-hmm. you now destroy and kill the sports agency world and see you demonstrate the same level of success you've done in football, as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, on a basketball court. I was trying to say as a hooper. Uh, yeah, I'll yeah. get there. I'll get there slowly. <laughs> I'll get there slowly. Uh, but it's been awesome to watch, man. It's been awesome to build this friendship over the years and have you part of the Everbowl story and have you here in the studio and all the time and commitment you've always given to to me and to the brand and to the companies you're involved with. Um, proud to know you, dude. Excited to watch your journey. And for everyone who's watching, how best can they – you know, follow your story and get ready to buy that book when it's going to be written. Yeah, yeah, you put it out there. So we're expecting the champion's mind. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's in like the infant, infant, infancy stages. Um, but yeah, at Lance Moore 16 on all social, um, my wife who is, is a, an, a, an organizer by trade, but also an influencer on social. Um, she's a badass. Casey dot more underscore. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool to be, Obviously, to be here in San Diego where I'm, you know, a foreigner, but to to establish relationships like these that go beyond just the basketball court um, and into, um, you know, personal ones that that, you know, are mutually beneficial, um, you know, and, and like I said, we're, we're similar mentality wise. And and I think it's it's awesome to be able to keep similar minded people um, around goal oriented people and. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for the future of Everbowl, and I'm uh, just happy to be here for sure. Well, dude, thank you, man. This was yeah. awesome. Thank you so much for listening. If you're looking to level up your relationship capital game, then take a minute and text the word Jeff to 33777 for a free copy of my Network to Millions playbook. The link will also be provided in the show notes below. See you guys next time.